And so, with the cup held high, me the leave Croke Park, All-Ireland football champions for 1949. Oh, beautiful me, you've got all that I need. Dimpsey hits Davin Fay. Anthony Finnerty comes in and gives him a touch of the elbow. Colm Kyle hitting Finnerty. This is Colm's first punch. Finity delayed reaction, looks around, sees Martin O'Connell coming in and thinks that the best action is to go down. What a set of matches we've had. Four terrific and memorable games. Final score meets 2-10. Dublin, 15. So Joe McDonough, GA president, presents Sam McGuire to Graham Geraghty and meet of the football champions. Hello and welcome to another edition of the We Are Mead podcast. As usual, it's Mickey Brennan here and I'm joined by Davey Rispin from Courtown and also from the Rispin blog. And uh, Davey, how have you been this last week? I'm, I'm great, McSheen. Yourself? Ash, luck. I'm, I'm keeping the devil from the door, as they say, and a uh, little bit of a downturn in the weather, um, which is disappointing because... I suppose when you look at it, uh, we've been locked up for the last three months with, with the lockdown. And just as things start to ease, the weather starts to uh, to ease off as well, which is a little bit disappointing. Yeah, I think it changed on the, the day the leaving cert would have started on the 3rd of June, I think it was. And uh, they said there was no need to cancel the good weather just because the leaving cert was cancelled, you know. But uh, yeah, disappointed. But I think they're, they're forecasting it to be good now for the back end of uh, next week. So please God, we get some more fine weather. Yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed, because it will tie in nicely with um, the GAA calendar recommencing. And, uh, you know, we've had some good news this week from not only Leo Varadkar, but obviously from the GAA as well. They are adhering to the um, new rules that have been set out, uh, the new, let me see, the new roadmap that has been set out. Sorry, my phone just went off there. A roadmap to return for the GAA, and, and I'll just run through run through it with you, and then we'll go into depth on, on a few points. Mm. Uh, the key points of the document, there's a 15-page booklet outlining the, the road to return, and the, 50, uh, the key points from this document are, first point, the walkways on GAA pitches will reopen on Monday the 8th of June. Uh, the club gates will open on the 29th of June. Juvenile and adult club championship games can commence from 31st of July. Intercounty training to commence on the 14th of September, and the intercounty calendar will commence from the 17th of October. A full fixture calendar will be published in August. So, this all depends on uh, government approval and advice. And as long as the everything stays in place and and we we, we can get through the different stages of uh, the the road road to recovery um, without any hiccups, let's just say, and, and having to go back, but Phase three commences on the 29th of June when all the GAA pitches will reopen. Okay, it's great that we've got the walkways and all that opening up. Mm. The GAA pitches will reopen on the 29th of June. And you have a few bullet points on what we will be able to do. Um, Pull out a few of the the major points, I suppose. Well, Well, I suppose these bullet points are a summary of the whole document and basically what's going to be required of the player slash club you know before training commences on any given day so um 
I'll, I'll run through them. There's about 10 of them, but we'll, we'll list them and then we can go through a couple of them in depth maybe. So prior to each training session, all players, parents and backroom personnel must complete a self-administrated health questionnaire and log their temperature. You may not attend if this is over 37.5 degrees. Only players and essential backroom staff to gain access to the pitch side. Physios and docs to wear masks at all time pitch side. All equipment slash or example, balls and hurleys um, to be disinfected regularly. Every club will require COVID supervisors that will undergo training. This role will include collecting health questionnaires and maintaining records of attendance. Attendance at training will be limited to essential personnel. Players and management must change at home. Strapping should be applied at home. No mixing of water bottles. Only non-contact training in phase three. No use of changing rooms or clubhouses until further noticed. Team meetings to be held outdoor or online. And the last one, all players and personnel involved in training must compete mandatory Gaelic games online education module. Mm-hmm. So, the, so they're, they're they're like it's quite extensive when you look at when you look through them and as far as I know there's you know to be a person specifically assigned to maybe the temperatures and then the logging and I think all of it is to go through maybe the county board so you know the list of people that were at any one training is to be sent into the county board I'd imagine that god forbid something happens maybe a week or two down the line that you know COVID is start spreading or that, that they can go back and do the contact tracing. I'd imagine that's yeah. the thinking behind that. But as you can see, there's an awful lot in there, Mickey. There is, yeah. And, 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 I, and I agree, that is for the contact tracing. They have to be able to um, look back at the records and find out who was at the training. And it's, 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 it's all part of an insurance and uh, the insurance for players to, for their utmost of their health and well-being you know and, and that's that's understandable and, and, and anything that you can trace back as far as it goes will will, will ease off everything and hopefully there is no um, cases of COVID that, that, that do spread this way but it is brilliant um, no no dressing rooms uh, uh, to be used or physio rooms or anything you have to go to your training and be tugged out when you get there they advise walking or cycling, but if you are going by car, that only members from your own family can go in the car. You can't give a lift to anybody else going to train. Yeah, that's it exactly. Um, because again, that's that's probably you're more likely to maybe catch COVID that way than you are probably in a dress room or, or anything else. So yeah, exactly. Um, all meetings to be done outdoor as well. So obviously team meetings, tactics, any of that kind of crack is to be done outside or, or online is given as an option as well. Um at this stage, we're not sure. There is talk that it could be limited to certain numbers. I think they said ten at a time yeah. of training. Um, which that was my next. That was my next uh, point. Is that they have the GA have said that no more than ten in a group mm-hmm. at training, and uh, the government guidelines is fifteen. Um, but the GA are sticking with ten for the moment, and and that's maybe a little bit of a disappointment because if you're going to be able to. Um, do your contact tracing and have a list of everybody that's there. You know, 10, 15 people, the government advise 15, but the GA are going with 10. Mm. Now, possibly that might be revisited in, in two or three weeks' time when they're going through the guidelines and that. But I suppose for any clubs or, or teams out there hoping to maybe bend the rules and say, Asher Feckett, instead of having 10, we'll, we'll bring 12 or 13 or 15, as you say. The fact that you're going to have to log the attendances suggests that it would be difficult to do that because, Mm -hmm. God forbid, you're not meant to be there, so to speak, and you're the one that catches COVID and then, you know, it it opens up a whole different kind of um, problem after that. So, 
I would like to hope that it would be extended to 15, like you say, at least. That would just give clubs a little bit more um, leeway. It would. Like most, most clubs are operating off around 30 players, maybe uh, uh, at most. Uh, like, you know, on a good day yeah. at a training session, you'd have 30 players. So if you were able to have, you know, uh, two groups of 15, so one group of 15 trained from seven to eight, and then from eight to nine, the second group of 15. So it covers your whole team. Um, whereas doing it in groups of 10, you know, it just makes it that little bit more difficult to get in a whole training session for a whole team. Yeah, and then there's the other things after that everything has to be dis- disinfected. So, you know, let's say you did have another group coming in at seven o'clock or another group coming in at eight. All the footballs, bibs, all that kind of crack is going to have to be done. And I mean, it's, an awful, it's an awful lot of work when you think about it. It is, but you could have two separate sets of bibs, so and two separate sets of yeah. balls. Maybe yeah, true, you know, true. You wouldn't need you wouldn't need your full set of balls for 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 fifteen or ten training. So you could divide up. Yeah, look, but all these things, as you say, they all have to be done. They do have to be disinfected, and yeah. um, you know, it, it'll be hard then to try and keep those groups together because it probably won't suit lads to train at the same time each week. It's going to be a logistical minefield for for clubs. But look, they'll do it. We have enough volunteers within our association and within each club to get out and help. You know, we've seen the GEA community coming together over the last number of months and I can see them all getting behind. Everybody wants to see GEA. Everybody wants to see the hurling back and the football back on the fields um, uh, all over the county and all over the country. And I know that the clubs and the volunteers are rowing behind this. And you'll have people volunteering to say, do the temperatures or take the log or um, disinfect the balls and disinfect everything every so often or time everything and and make sure the players aren't, uh, um, uh, you know, are are, are maintaining the two metres social distancing. It's exciting. I, you know, yes, we always knew that we would be coming back. We didn't know what kind of rules and regulations. We know what the rules and regulations are now for going back to play. And we just, this is the new norm for the time being and we just have to get used to it. Yeah, and then there's the no contact element to it too in phase three. So, you know, I think by phase four, they're hoping that possibly we could go back into playing competitive games, i.e. a club championship. Yeah. So then there's, there's the whole thing about maybe no contact training during the whole month of July and then you're probably put out to play a first round of a championship in maybe August without having any contact training, which is, you know, it, it would be very unusual to, to see that. Maybe at most you might get a week. but that, And then another thing that I wanted to t- chat to you about, and we, we have the club lotto down in the, down in the hall on a, on a Friday night. And it's only three or four of us doing it as a, as a committee in that. But of course, this was the talk of it on Friday night and uh, people attending games then. So should club championship get the nods? There is talk that it'll be very limited attendance and that you might have to, you know the way when you're a player, you get a player pass, that you might get 30 or 40 supporters passes. And I was saying, that you, could you imagine, you know, before a big championship game, we'd say Simon Center and Avon Amani's or Corton and Ultons, the first round, you'd have everyone queuing outside the clubhouse on the Thursday night, begging to get a ticket, or they'd be coming <laughs> through the hedges and all at the game, you know. So that'll be another way. We'll have to just see what way that plays out. There'd be a queue the whole way back up to Sean Newman Park because they'd all have to, <laughs> they'd all have to, they'd all have to socially distance by two meters. So, yeah. and uh, by the time you get to the end of that queue, they'd be at uh, at St Dunstan's. Yeah. Uh, like 
Um, and just, well, come on, go ahead. Just as you mentioned the Cortown Lotto, how much is it to tell people to sell it? <laughs> well, I actually, I genuinely wasn't trying to do that. Yeah, we're actually, yeah. We're one of many clubs who are um, popping back up with their lotto in the last few weeks that are, you know, introducing it online and, and everything, which is great, and to see it back. Um, ours is up on 6,400 at the minute. Um, I think this coming week will be our third week of doing it. And, like, to be fair, sales have been brilliant online. We actually had a guy from Cavan who won 20 euro in the, and people were looking at the name, who is this fella? So we rang him to get, give him his 20 quid or whatever. And he says, oh, I seen it on Twitter. He said, and I just said, I'd join it. So, you know, fair brilliant. enough. <laughs> but uh, it, it's great to see because clubs, I suppose, do have to keep that bit of income coming in with, with affiliation fees and everything like that. Probably I, just want, I just want to go back to that man from Cavan, you know, and people say that Cavan men are miserable. You know, he gave his money across the border into a Mead football club. And that's yeah. what we like to see. That's what the GEA is all about. Breaking down these stereotypes, breaking down these borders and, you know, showing that there's no begrudgery there between Cavan and Mead. Um, although some people like to think there is. Just bringing it back to um, the football again, um, and not the club draws, um, though Davey got his little plug in there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it looks like they are given the, the counties for their club championship an 11-week window to run off their championships. Um, and then we, we go back into, I think it's the 14th of September, where the county teams can get back training, and then their championship will start in the middle of October, I think it is. If I remember correctly, I'll have to look back through that there in a minute. But what that means, the 17th of October, yeah. So also what they've said is, is that they're recommending that uh, each club or county board will set up their own championship structure, um, which is good to know as well. But the only thing about that is they only have 11 weeks. There are some counties that are saying they're going to do it by the group. Uh, do group stages in each championship and whatever, but it'll leave it very, very tight to to run off a championship in eleven weeks. Yeah, even a straight knockout will do that because you know we we are a dual county in in the sense that we have a club hurling championship as well. So and there's a lot of dual players out there who play both. So it'll be very difficult to try and merge the two into an eleven week window. It's nigh on impossible even at knockout. Um. So that, that'll be a problem in itself. I see where you're coming from with other counties. Again, there's two things. They mightn't be, they mightn't have as many of players playing both and they'll also have less clubs. We we have 59 clubs, I think, between Hurling and Football and Mead, which is a huge amount. Um, so it makes life a bit difficult, more difficult for us. And then you kind of get into the knockout stages. So when we get to semi-finals and finals, generally there are big clubs, you know, who have a lot of players involved in the county setups. So it'll be interesting to see how that works. Like, let's say Simon St. Gales are in a, in a championship semi-final or final, yet me, they're back training and they only have a month to get themselves right for their own championship. It's going to bring problems, I think. Um, and it's not going to be easy for county and club managers alike to kind of work at that. But I suppose, it, as you termed it earlier, the new normal, that's the way it's going to be. And, and we're just going to have to try and get on with it as best we can. Yeah, I can see a lot of midweek uh, championship matches um, yeah. because you're going to have to try and run off hurling and football and you're going to have to give them enough time to get recovery in between games and stuff. You can't have, you could have maybe a football match on a Friday and a hurling game on a Sunday or, the, or vice mm. versa, maybe. But like that's even leaving it very, very short. At this stage, I don't think players will care. I think if you were to put Clonagale football team out on a Sunday afternoon at three o'clock and put their hurling team out on the same pitch at half four, they would play both games, you know, that kind yeah. of way. And a lot of clubs would be like that. It's, it's going to be interesting 
to see how they run it off. But isn't it great that we have the prospect of our club championship and we've got the prospect of an All-Ireland. Can you imagine an All-Ireland final being played uh, a couple of weeks out from uh, Christmas Day in, in the start or middle of December and uh, Crow Park having maybe 30,000 people in it, all socially distancing, um, and, uh, and an All-Ireland final being played on a freezing cold day in December. It would be absolutely amazing. It would. I think, now in fairness, John Horn has come out and he's, he's kept his clo- cards close to his chest, but he's suggested that the All-Ireland oh. final would probably spill into 2021. Okay. So the, the early weeks and months of, of next year. So, um, and, and to be honest with you, you can understand that too, because if we're only starting by the middle to end of October, by the time we get to the end of November and December with weather and different things like that, it, it may be very difficult to get pitches and and play games and stuff like that. So there is the possibility that it may spill into the new year. Again, that's just going to have to be part and parcel of it. No word on the leagues either. They're, they're, they've said that they have, they haven't said that anything, any decision has been made. And we're, we're hoping here that it'll be just called off. But uh, look, we'll have to see on that one as well. Well, indeed. And just as you mentioned, uh, the lack of pitches and all that kind of stuff. We were talking about the ladies, uh, intermediate and junior um, Leinster championship last week. And, I've had Ashley and Cleary, the PRO of the Leinster PRO of the LGFA, back onto us. She listened to the podcast last week. Now, while we did have some of our facts right and whatever, she just wanted to uh, put us straight on a few things, which is which is great because you know we we were just going by what we had seen. We we had no um, uh, definitive answer um, from the LGFA, but um, uh, the Leinster Championships, unfortunately, in twenty twenty. Um, have been have been cancelled. Leinster do not have a senior championship as Dublin are the only current senior county with Westmead being relegated in 2019. So therefore, you know that was an easy one. Um, we said last week um, when we were talking about it, or maybe it was the week before. No, it was last week we were talking about. It. We said that you know the Leinster junior and intermediate had been had been cancelled. At that stage, we thought what had happened was that all provincial junior and intermediate uh, championships had, for the ladies had been cancelled um, and that the Lens, or, and that the senior would go ahead. Obviously, we knew that there was only one senior team in Dublin or in, in Leinster and it, it was Dublin. But I suppose what, what we were looking at was, you know, we were looking at the, the whole country, the four provinces. But she, she's put us straight on that. Leinster would not discriminate between junior, intermediate and senior if they were calling competitions off. It was not a decision taken lightly and it was done with the full agreement of all the counties. It was taken at a council meeting. I hope this helps clarify matters. Ashton from Leinster, uh, the Leinster PRO. Now, I did get back to her and ask her about, um, uh, she was telling me it was going to be a logistical nightmare and the focus really is, if possible, to get all the clubs back up and running, um, but it is going to be very, very tricky. Um, again, that's from Ashton and I was saying, yeah, logistical nightmare. Um, if the All-Ireland goes ahead, will each province decide in, uh, uh, on a provincial championship? And if so, how will they determine who goes through to the knockout stages? And she says she, has, she honestly has no idea how it might, might work at the moment. Um, uh, it's going to be a long summer. Leinster made the decision to cancel to try and ease the pressure and allow for club football to resume. Um, I'm just going back on it there. And everything will depend on the HSE and government advice and instruction. Provinces can make their own decisions for their own competitions. 
but they are in touch with each other on decisions, every decision that is made. It's a very difficult situation all around. So very clear and concise there from the Leinster PRO. I didn't realise that each provincial committee can decide on matters like that. I thought that would have been an All-Ireland decision. That, like, so does that, I'm wondering, does that mean will there be a Munster, Connacht and Ulster Junior and Intermediate uh, Provincial Championship? It's, 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 if, if there is, does that mean that we won't have representatives from Leinster in the All-Ireland competition because there'll be no winners of Leinster? Yeah, well, well, that's it exactly, and it's very unusual to see that although one um, province can make their own decision, that it does it affects the whole country, you know, as a whole. Then after that, and uh, yeah. it'd be very unusual if the three championships in Munster, Leinster, and no, sorry, Munster, Ulster, and Connacht were played, and Leinster wasn't, just because probably Leinster is seen to be more one-sided with Dublin, obviously. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, that would be beggar's belief. It'd be very strange yeah. to see what would happen or how the Leinster one would play out to get to an All-Ireland stage, i.e. a semi-final of an All-Ireland. Yeah. Well, look, um, uh, Ashley has said that it, as she gets the information, she will let us know. Um, and uh, she's delighted that we are promoting the LGFA through the We Are Mead podcast. And, and as we said before, we will promote anything through, uh, to do with the GEA. If we get the information sent to us, we will relay it to our listeners. And it's great to, uh, that Ashing is an avid listener of the podcast and is able to let us know and fill us in on the details that we need when we do bring up um, uh, something like that about uh, the ladies' uh, Gaelic football. Uh, Davey, just, um, I suppose, we don't have anything else to talk about really because you know we're waiting for the football to come back. But we have been very very busy on our patreon podcasts lately that's the loyal royal service over on patreon forward slash we are mead for five dollars a month you get all the interviews and the extra content that we have been doing of in recent times and in fairness we've been putting a lot of effort into it and um uh, it's been really it's been really enjoyable um we have had interviews with graham garrity with uh, brian stafford with uh, davy nelson davy nelson um, who else have we had? Colin O'Rourke, we've had Bernard Flynn, we've had um, who else have we had recently? We've had uh, Alan Nestor, we have had yes. um, we've had Mickey Newman, we've had Sean yeah. Tobin, and uh, this week we have a, have a big one with Big Joe Sheridan himself. Big Joe, yeah, absolutely brilliant. It's coming out on Monday after or Monday morning, and uh, we will be uh. All mad to listen to this. I haven't had to listen to it yet. Davy has done it with Joe Sheridan, and I have it in the in the drive. And um, very interesting one, from what I believe, from what a couple of little uh, nuggets of information you gave me, Davy. Mm. This is one not to be missed. Yeah, this is this is good one. I, I really enjoyed it. Again, it's probably ninety to hundred minutes long, but it, there's some really good stuff in it. We talked about it, like he won back to back Hogan Cups with some Pats in two thousand and two thousand and one. He won two senior championships with his club uh, 2007, 2009. Of course, 2010 was obviously the infamous um, goal against Loud and he talks about that in depth, the fallout from it, you know, how it affected him and, and his family and everything like that. That's all in there. Um, really kind of hard-hitting stuff. And then his exit, his initial exit from the Mead team in 2013 and I suppose his shock exit uh, along with the likes of Pather Byrne, Cueven King, Brian Farrell, um, there was a couple of others as well and, and 
you know, he, he says that he's still not even over it. You know, seven years later, it still bothers him the way, the way it all came about. He goes into that in depth, we'll hear. And his return, obviously, as a, as a goalkeeper in 2017 is, uh, is oh, in there right. as well. But there's, there's some great stuff on it. He's a, he's a lovely bloke, Joe, and, and very honest and open um, throughout the interview as well, which is what we're always kind of looking for. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 going to be a cracker of an interview, and of course, you know the infamous uh, Leinster final. That goal, as you said, it'll live long in the memories of uh, loud people, especially. But it's uh, it's uh, across the whole nation. The GA was one of the biggest scandals of the GA, um, uh, you know, and it it, it even Leah Craigale did uh, a program yeah, on it, you know, right. like so. It just shows you that how how um, how important it was. Um, it was Scannell, actually, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Scannell yeah, yeah. is right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. Wasn't Gale. but it was. It was on on. T- it was on TG Car, um, and of course, it was. It wasn't Joe's fault. It was the referees, and we will always and ever protest that it was not Joe Sheridan's fault. It was the referee and his umpires that caused that that controversy. Um, but do go over to Patreon and have a listen. Also, on this week's Patreon uh, podcast, you're getting your your ever-present second uh, podcast of the week. And uh, we started a little segment a few weeks ago on the Loyal Royals podcast. It was called The 10 Best Since 2010. Started off with Rathote the first week. We did Dunshockland last week. And The 10 Best Since 2010 of Kells this week. This one blew up now on Twitter. We, 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 had, a, we had a poll on, um, on Instagram. And there was three teams, Lock and Horns, and we said we're going to have to go over to Twitter to try and finalise this. It was St. Bridget's, it was Dunhamore Ashburn, and it was Gail Cullum Kill Kells. Um, all went to a vote on Twitter. And after about 350 votes, I think it was, I'll just go in and check that, um, we do have a winner, Davey Risky. Yeah, Gail Cullum Kill, the club we love talking about all the time, Mickey. And uh, this will be a really good one, I think, because, you know, again, similar to probably Retote, they've had a lot of success in the last decade. Um, and they've had a huge number of players who are probably ever present, maybe throughout the. So the, the, there will be some hard luck stories in there as well. And uh, you live a bit further away than I do. That they, they may come after me first, but I'm sure they'll be after you then on the pitch, maybe when <laughs> when they see you as well. <laughs> oh look, I, I was just thinking back when we were when when, when it was Kells, and I was thinking back, like even back to 0809, mm. Um, you know, I would have you know maybe played against them in league or in, in, in reserve games if I was available and and then thinking back to my return in 2015 and just and, and see I used to work in Kells in, in mm. the ground floor restaurant so I, 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 I would have known a good lot of lads and whatever so um, and I would have palled around with a few of them so yeah they've, they've, they're, they're just you know that there's a doggedness about Kells that you just you, you just can't quantify it it just there's this thing and I played a lot of soccer as well and I would have played against Kel Celtic mm. uh, uh, down through the years the last 20 years and whatever so there was always this rivalry anyway between Kells and Navin and uh, you know wh- whenever we would out to play them I thought it was just against Simonstown and then I went to watch seeing, went to watch them, I went to see, see them play a few uh, other games against other teams and it was the exact same and I just thought I thought they had a rivalry with us they just have a rivalry with themselves, I think. Mm. It's that they have to go out and put in a performance to match their last performance, which is a fantastic attribute to have as a team. Yeah, well, it's a town that 
literally lives and breeds sport. There's a culture in that town. And, and I'd, you know, I'd include the surrounding clubs like Trumbarra and Kilmainham and St. Michael's and yeah. all the clubs around Kells like that as well, that they absolutely love sport. And, you know, some of the boys that we, we always see on Twitter popping up, the likes of Alan Tormey and Barry Farley and Gary McGovern, these sort of lads, they just live for it. Um, and Kells are just synonymous with that. And uh, I think it's, it's no coincidence that they are where they are because of that sheer determination um, that they've had for the last five or six years in senior football, and it's got them so far. Um, so, yeah, really looking forward to it. I, I think this will be, uh, be one not to be missed. It's interesting the way you mentioned Drumbara and Kilmainham and whatever. And, and if you go back into history, which we won't bring up probably, yeah. but, you know, they, those three clubs were all one club at one stage, and they're not anymore. And, uh, again, that probably is another reason. There's this fire in the belly of the Kells players and every time you go out to play against them, you know you're up against them. Uh, you know, just just fantastic. So that's going to be a really, really interesting one. And I'm looking down, I know I've got my, I've, I've been looking back over teams for the last 10, 15 years and, you know, and, and, and remembering games against Kells and it, it's it's a tough one, Davy. but look, we'll, we'll get it done. Um, yeah, don't forget, go over to Patreon forward slash we are mead and you will get all those extra interviews and, of course, our 10 best from 20, since 2010, that series of podcasts that we're doing at the moment. And it is Gail, Colin, Kill, Kells that are up this week on that one. Davey, are we ending in on our Instagram interactive? Yeah, busy enough week on Instagram. Uh, changed the weather, obviously. Last week, we only had the one question, so people are on their phone a lot more. So the first one we have in is um, it's actually from St. Bridget's Football Club. And... Uh, so Bridget wants to know the future of small rural clubs with minimal, minimal yearly newcomers. Yeah, that's you know, like that's that's something that I don't think the GAA have really um, looked at at all. I, I I've been saying it for years. Um, you know, if you if there there has been the the GAA did do studies on all this and whatever, but they thought that their biggest uh, um, chance of revenue was Dublin. And they started pumping all the resources into Dublin. And they were looking at it, and there was, I think it was about a 12% uptake of uh, GAA in rural Ireland. So anywhere outside of Dublin, basically, 12% participation rate. And in Dublin, it was something like 1.5%. And they were yeah. saying that, okay, if we lose a few percent around uh, rural Ireland and we go up by 1% in Dublin, we've already increased the revenue of the GEA by twofold or something like that. You know what I mean? Like twice what we would have lost. And they did pump an awful lot of their, their um, resources into Dublin. And Dublin is up at its highest ever participation rate um, uh, in, in, in the city especially. And, you know, I think that that's been to the detriment of, of the rural clubs. Like, you know, we, we have all these GDOs and GPOs now in Mead, which is great to see. Mm. Dublin had them long before anybody else. They were in schools, they were in clubs. Every club had a, a, a hurling and a, a football GPO or GDO, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And they had them in schools and everything. While the rest of the country didn't have any. And yeah, I I just think that with the low numbers in, in rural Ireland and rural clubs especially, and if you look around Mead and the rural clubs like St. Bridget's and stuff like that, with a, they're the clubs that need the resources. They're the clubs that need the GPOs and GDOs to get every child available in that area playing football, get into the schools in, in those rural areas, get the players involved in, in, in 
GAA. Too many of them fall through the net. And with smaller clubs like that, if they don't get the maximum from the primary schools, they're not going to have a team. And, and it is going to be tough. And, 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 he, and he mentions, or Simple just club also mentioned, you know, the fact that the numbers are dwindling. People are moving into towns. People are moving into uh, cities and moving away from the rural areas. So it, it's, it's only going to get worse unless something is done about it. Yeah, I mean, good good clubmate of mine, uh, Jamie Costello, he was previously a coach in, with Dublin GEA, actually, and this is probably going back 10 years, as you said, before a coach was even in, in Mead as a county. And he was he was a Mead man to the core, doing fantastic work in Dublin with Fingalians and the schools up there as well. And as you say, we're playing catch-up with that now. We have a GPO in our club now, which is brilliant and doing good work on that. But again... Like compared to when I was playing underage with the St. Cupboards to what the underage is now, and I'm actually involved with the minor team now, and you see it, the numbers aren't half of what they were even going back six or seven years ago. So yeah. I, I don't know. Now, look, there's a lot of other distractions that we have today that there wasn't maybe 10 or 15 years ago, and that's another thing that has to be taken into consideration. Even town teams probably aren't experiencing the numbers that they did you know, and the drop off is huge and that kind of thing too. But I, I do, I do think it's a, it's a worrying trend and you, we will get to the stage where certain clubs just won't be able to continue to field at a level because Watson Bridgets are saying there, they're, they're getting minimal numbers every year. Yeah. Yeah. And just, uh, just as a, a side note from St. Bridget's on our poll, um, where we uh, picked the 10 best since 2010. It was Gail Column Kill ended up with 46%, St. Bridget's with 28% of the vote, and Dunamore Ashburn with 26% of the vote. And St. Bridget's did come back with a comment, and it was, ah, well, we'll take second place. It's been a while. <laughs> I thought yeah. that was brilliant. The, the, they're actually they're, they're a really good club up there, and uh, yeah. hopefully, hopefully we will get around to picking their best 10 in the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, would have been a look. Well, but the next... Well, yeah. by the sounds of things, we better do it sooner. They won't have 10 players. Jeez, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they won't like you saying that. Um, no, that's coming, from their, that's coming from their comment. It's a bit of a tongue yeah, yeah. um, Peter Duffy, the one and only, is, uh, is in with a typically brilliant question as well. And uh, I might just take this one off you, Mickey. I don't know, maybe you do have opinions on it or whatever. But he said, who's the best looking Love Islander over the years? Oh, um, happened... Uh, Absolutely. I, I was going to curse there. Having a Barney. I've never watched it. Not, 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 no. Um, and I'd prefer if we didn't talk about something so, um, well, well, so he's low, awesome. he, he so low brow. So low brow. So low I'm telling his father that he's watching. I'm telling Kevin Duffy that he's watching <laughs> Love Island. Does Kevin Duffy well, know that he's paying a Sky subscription so that his son can watch Love Island and do, do things that he shouldn't be doing in his bedroom? Well, Pete, oh, well, now, look, that's, that's a very sinister remark, Mickey Brennan. Um, Pete, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an answer um, because you deserve one for putting in such a great question like that. Um, and whilst there's been some serious talent through the bill in the last couple of years, the ones I'd probably pick out would be Lucy, Amber, and even our own Maura, to be fair, last year. I think she's, she's done well for herself. They'd be probably my three. Um, there was a Laura not Laura Anderson the other Laura there a couple of years ago as well so they'd be my few I'd be interested to hear what yours are Pete so please do get in touch with us if you yeah you get in touch in a private message there with Davey because the two years are going to go blind go on <laughs> uh, Robert Perfield um, he says when is Davey doing the top 10 hurlers from each club <laughs> 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 I, I, I actually went back to him on this Mickey and I said to him 
this this is completely up to the people. We don't pick the club we we do every week. We let we throw it out there and let the people decide. So I said to him, when the demand comes for hurling, we will just have to swallow it and and you know do it. So we are open to it. It's up to the people when when and when we decide to go with it. Yeah, um, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> I'll just be getting the team sheet and I'll be picking the first 10 names off the team sheet. I know a few players, but like, uh, I, I know a few, I know a few of the O'Matney's hurlers. I did, you know, I did uh, uh, play a bit of hurling in my time, but that was down in Cavan, really high standard. Four teams, four, four teams in the in the senior championship, got to a senior championship final, so I did, and, uh, and lost to Mullahorn. Um, but I would have played a little bit of hurling when I was, I think, around... 12 or 13 with O'Matney's and then sure my nephew Shane Crosby has played hurling with O'Matney's for the last number of years and uh, <laughs> I, I I do follow a little bit of hurling because of my nephew Shane because he's, he's, he's like my little brother so I always um, follow a little bit of hurling so I think I think I could probably do 10 best from O'Matney's and, and we, we, might, we might get Shane on then when we're doing O'Matney's could be a good idea damn right he'll be on instead of me so he will when we're doing yeah. <laughs> um, the Mead lads have had a bit of crack actually this week a couple of the senior footballers and the first one's in from Ronan Ryan and he wants to know is Gavin McCoy on the sunbeds and uh, Gavin McCoy needless to say has got in touch with us privately as well and he says right. he says the twins are only jealous of his tan um, and it's actually an interesting one because a couple of the players that we interviewed in recent weeks Tobin and, and Mickey Newman and that did yeah. comment on Gavin McCoy's tan and uh, how foolproof it was throughout the year and everything like that but I can relate to it and I get this a lot as well about this fake tan kind of thing I, I can respect a good tan when I see it and to be fair to Gavin I think he's uh, he's uh, he's on point with it yeah but when you start sweating it starts running down your forehead and you can see the streaks <laughs> so you can uh, whereas Gavin McCoy obviously, Gavin McCoy obviously has a waterproof one well he so, obviously doesn't do enough running <laughs> so maybe Maybe you need to talk to him about getting a, a good brand of, uh, of, 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 of fake tan there. I, I'm not having that. Look, here's my tan lines. You see them there? Yeah, that's where, that. the, that's, where, that's, where the, that's where the spray ran out. <laughs> Go away. Um, so next one is, is from the twin brother, Ross Ryan. And Ross says, does Breen Conlon ever stop playing Fortnite? And we actually had a message from Harry Dean and it just said no. So I think that answers the question emphatically. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. No. Like I, I know at some of the training sessions last year um, that he was late to training club training sessions, um, due to the fact that his he had blisters on his fingers from playing Fortnite. Oh, it was either that or it was either that or climbing trees. Uh, yeah. Jordy so. <laughs> Morris. Then the, the Mead lads are clearly fond of their tans. He says, Jordy Morris. He said, Jason Scully, are you on the sunbeds? <laughs> Now, Jordy Morris, now, he's, he, he wouldn't be shy of a little bit yeah, of Yeah, he'd look after himself now, in fairness, yeah. So, I don't know, is he in a position to talk, but uh, we, we yeah. might move on. Gavin McCoy's actually got in touch as well to try and get one back at Ronan Ryan, and he says, what's Ronan Ryan's meal before big championship games? And I've heard through the grapevine, this is just a rumour, but I've heard it's pizza. I oh, heard right. them twins love pizza, and uh, I got in touch with them, and I said, is it true that you pizza or whatever? And they said, no comment, so... Um, we should rename this uh, We Are Mead podcast Beauty Tips with Davey Rispin uh, by the way the things are going on Instagram yeah uh, Eamon McDonnell is next and he said when is Sean Duggan going to pack in the golf <laughs> well he's only after starting it up again I hope because they're only open about two weeks 
Yeah, and well, look, the sooner the better. The football is back, and, and Mr. Duggan will be warming the bench and, and running down the sidelines ready for his five minute cameo. <laughs> um, hey, there is nothing wrong with a five minute cameo, all right? Yeah, fair enough. When, when, you're, when you're in your 40s. We actually have a football related one now, would you believe? And it's from what? the, the Bell Column carry out in Trumbara. And um, he, he wants to know will the new rules be kept if it's just championship games played and no real games to experience them? So, what he's talking about is the new rules which are brought the new in rules, the start yeah. this year. And that's a very valid point, too, because I mean, there's, there's two things. Will they be kept for the championship is number one, because the whole idea was that they'd be trial for the cups and the leagues and they'd be revisited then later in the summer before a championship. Um, and then two, if they are kept, will we see them again next year or that? Or will they, what sort of bearing will they have on the championship? That's a very interesting question. It is. Um, I can't even remember most of them. That's, that's how long, like, you know, it'd be completely alien to me now uh, what the new rules are. Um, well, we, 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 had the, we had the advance mark. We had the defensive yeah, well, mark. We had the sin bin for 10 yeah. minutes. Um, what else was there? There was a couple of other ones. There was a couple of other ones, wasn't there? Um, yeah, no, look, it's going to be interesting. Seamus Kenny, uh, we did ask him about that as well a couple of weeks ago when we had Seamus and uh, Conor O'Donoghue on. And, uh, you know, they weren't able to give us an answer on that either. So that's something that the GA will have to maybe revisit in the next few weeks. It'll be, uh, yeah. I'd, say, I'd say they're in, though. I'd say they're in. You'd imagine so, yeah. It's probably the least of their worries at the minute. Um, Brendan Byrne from... Sorry. I was just going to say, I, I hope that they are in and I'm playing a bit. Actually, that's something we never talked about. Will the junior championships be going ahead, as in the reserve championships? Oh, you'd imagine they would, to be honest. God, if they are. I hope they are. I hope they are, because if they are and we've got the new rules in, I'm just going to not leave full forward position. I'm just going to go to it. Now, I was doing a little bit of training or whatever, and that's kind of... Uh, gone to the wayside over the last few weeks. What would be your ideals full forward now? Lump around long, I'll stand there, I'll catch them and hopefully uh, take a few marks. Um, but, but I suppose, like, just going back to your question there, it, uh, for me, it would be very important that reserve championships are played because mm. there's a huge number of players then who, if they weren't played, wouldn't get any football this year, which would be a travesty in itself. So, please God, it will. Should, because it yeah. doesn't affect county or anything. So, they could even be played into October if, if they had to be. Yeah, um, Brendan Byrne from Balnebracki is next and he says would it have been better to scrap this year's club championships and just play out the leagues uh, yeah it would have been interesting we would what well there was there was nearly a full full league um, yeah. calendar to be played because I know we had three weeks of league games but most of them didn't get played due to mm. the weather at the time yeah. I think there was only you know at the most two games played by any club. Most teams had only played one and someone played none. So, um, yeah, it would have been hard, like in 11 weeks to get 10 league games played. And but, uh, I think what Brendan could be probably getting at there is that if um, the leagues could probably be played along with county probably, championship. County championship, yeah. And, and I wouldn't, you wouldn't be kind of you could play it over 11 weeks or you could play it over 14 weeks. And if you're missing your county men, so be it for the last three or four games. I think yeah. it'd be easier for them to miss a league match than a championship game. So probably a decent question for me. I'd, I'd still be inclined to just go with a championship. I, I'd just be of that opinion. But you can definitely see the reasoning behind it. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, the last, no, sorry, we will have two more questions. One just came in literally as I speak. Uh, the next one's from Andy Arkins out in Kilmainham, and Andy wants to know, he wants to know, Dean Pepper has played for Cortown, Drumbara, and Kilmainham. Let the world know. Oh, right. Um, and and that's his best mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just, uh, like, you know, I get slagged an awful lot about having two clubs. I played in Cavan with a club and I played in Mead with a club. Born and raised in Simonson, moved to Cavan, played with a club down there, moved back to Simonson. You know, like it's, it's, I've only had ever had two clubs, but like to have three clubs within one county and within uh, uh, probably one parish, um, the parish boundaries of Kells, like, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's bordering on, on, on dangerous. I, th- I think Ryan Farnan as well, who's with uh, Gail Column Kill presently, has done something similar. So um, it's not unheard of to do something like that. Braver man than me, though. Um, so basically, basically, he fulfilled the the the, the three teams from Kells Harps. Is that it? <laughs> no. Is that it? Is that it? is that what I, what he did? Uh, moving on. So last question we have in <laughs> is from uh, is from Simon Finn, and he wants to know who will win the intermediate football championship this year in Mead. And we did this. I can't even remember who this. I picked. Yeah, we did this. And I know I've got the notes there somewhere. Um, who did I go for? Did I go for Trim? I think I did go for Trim. No, did I didn't you? go for Trim. You, I think I might have went for Trim. And did I go for Old Castle or someone? I know yeah, I have the or notes. Or maybe Rackenny or someone, was it? Was it Rackenny? Hang on. Now, let me see. We have the... Do, do, do some pats for Kenny. Right, well, you went for, in the final, you had St. Michael's and Trim, and we you had ticked Trim as the winners. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, and I'm just trying to remember who I had picked as the winners of the... Of the intermediate, um, no, I can't, I can't find it. But I, I, I think I did go for Old Castle, was it? Mm. Old no, Castle or Kenny, I think was it. Old, Ken, Old Castle or Kenny, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, look at hopefully we're revisiting that and going over our picks later on in the summer. It'd be great, wouldn't it? It'd be absolutely brilliant if we do get that far and we get to have our junior, intermediate, senior, and our reserve championships played in that eleven-week um, uh, window. It'd be absolutely brilliant. Uh, that's all from Instagram, Mickey. I have nothing else on... Uh, Listen, hang on, hang on. I do this every week now. I, I check with you every week. Is there anything from PS Tapes? There was one, but we, we had to vet it and actually cut it out. Um, we normally don't have to do that with PS, but on this occasion, unfortunately, it just couldn't be included. Um, so Please. disappointed that he didn't know us well enough to understand what would be the borderline or boundaries for us but fortunately he's just uh, he's been cut out yeah just just to inform people we do actually have boundaries and um, we won't just read what's on the teleprompter we are not Ron Burgundy so we're not um, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, yeah no um, I'll talk to PS Tapes about that uh, uh, that, that question um, personally, let's just let's just note that PS Tapes did send in a question, and I will be replying to him on a private message. Um, and the world doesn't need to know the answer to to that question. That it from Instagram. That's it for this week, Mickey. And that's it for from us for this week. And remember, we are Mead. Why? Am
Arrows Mall. 